You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey, American fuckers, welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical backward ass ideals we have here in the United States. This is episode 78 of American Sex Podcast. I'm Sunny Megatron, and my co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg, and we're sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky, kinky perverts, too. So, American fuckers, you will hear Ken in the interview portion of this episode, but he's off working in L.A. right now, so you got me solo for the pre-interview chat. Our guest this week is Zoe Ligon. You may or may not know her as thong ria on her incredibly popular instagram account or on the super deluxe web series called sex stuff now who exactly is zoe ligan she's a detroit-based sex educator journalist and artist who is also the proprietor of the progressive online sex toy emporium called spectrum boutique this is where she's made it her life's work to blast away the stigmas and misinformation that prevent us from having the amazing sex we all deserve zoe has a background in social psychology harm reduction and inclusive pleasure focused sex education so if you're a longtime listener of american sex podcast you may have noticed that we have generally two kinds of episodes. I like to think of them as micro and macro episodes, which strangely in my mind is also kind of like macro and microeconomics, but maybe that's just me and my geeky business background. Anyway, our micro episodes zero in on a sex-specific thing for the entire episode. You know, maybe that's a sexual technique or a certain kind of fetish or sex research on a particular subject. Macro episodes, on the other hand, look at the bigger picture, including some of the most obscure variables that affect our sexuality and identity. Now, oftentimes these episodes aren't directly in your face about sex, 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 sex. Sometimes they're all about things like, I don't know, body positivity or processing emotion. They might be personal experiences told by the guests that things we can all identify with, or they might just be about our fucked up, very messy, very human experience. This episode this week falls very solidly into that bigger picture macro territory. While Zoe is a sexuality educator and has been coined the, quote, Duchess of Dildos, we didn't pick her brain about the latest and greatest sex toys in this episode, although we'll probably have her back to do that. So stay tuned. You know, one of the things that I love most about Zoe is she shares her most intimate thoughts and experiences right out there on social media for everyone to see. So as she grows emotionally and processes old hurts and works through her stuff, she opens the door and lets us all peek in. This helps me tremendously because I oftentimes can relate to what she's going to, and I bet you can too. If you don't follow her, please do it because it's awesome. And it's really comforting to know when I see it that I'm not alone in my feelings and what I'm going through. So bringing all of this macro micro stuff back to sex and relationships, having healthy sexual relationships starts with having healthy relationships with ourselves. So boom, there's the macro as it relates to the micro. Look at that. So in this episode, Ken and I gave Zoe a platform to talk about her emotions, whatever she wanted to talk about. And some of the things we ended up touching on are 
as women, shedding the performative parts of ourselves that tend to bend over backwards to please men, reconciling feminism with sexual submission, being consensually punched in the face as a hot, 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 hot sex act, dating someone accused of abusing others, loving someone that hurts you, dealing with the death of a parent. Now, content note on some of this stuff, uh, childhood sexual trauma, covert sexual assault, emotional incest, PTSD from partner and parental abuse, how your relationship with your parents affects your romantic relationships, how hurt people can become people who hurt others. And towards the end of the interview, we dive into things like the rehabilitation of abusers, you know, who should be completely cast aside and who is capable of changing. Then we delve into the study therapy and potential rehabilitation of pedophiles. Yeah, this conversation gets heavy at some point. So all of the content warnings, y'all, you got them. But on the same token, you know, this is stuff we need to talk about and we can't keep sweeping it under the rug pretending that it doesn't exist. So before we get to that guest conversation, I want to give a quick shout out to the folks that joined our Patreon family this week. It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. I love it when industry folks lift up other industry folks. Ken and I support a few fellow sex ed folks on Patreon, and we have quite a few that support us too. So this week, a big, huge welcome and our heartfelt appreciation to the legendary Jizzly for becoming an American Sex Podcast Patreon supporter. I love them so much. I really, really do. I'm a huge fan and I'm kind of having a moment and I really appreciate their support. So to Jizz and all of our other Patreon members, we couldn't do this podcast without you and your support and we love you. Thank you so much. If you're listening, wondering what all this Patreon stuff is all about, hop on over to patreon.com slash American sex. There you can learn about how to become an American sex podcast Patreon member. Not only does your membership help support the show, you get lots of awesome perks too, like bonus stories from our guests, even one from this week's guest, Zoe Ligon, went up this week. It's about an unexpected thing that you really can't blame on the cat. You got to hear it. Uh, you also get extra full-length episodes, uh, American Sex Podcast stickers, a personal video greetings, random surprises in the mail, and a whole bunch more. And speaking of Patreon, we want to give them a big heartfelt thank you because with their help, we're taping a live broadcast of American Sex Podcast on the podcast stage at South by Southwest. This is next month coming up soon, Saturday, March 9th at 5 p.m. on the podcast stage. So if you're going to be there, please join us. Our guest is the one and only canisexual Ashley Manta. She'll be telling us how to best use pot to increase intimacy and eroticism. Plus, she's going to be answering questions from you, our live audience. Now, one other thing really, really quick that's super important and time sensitive. If you didn't listen to last week's conversation with Shine Louise Houston of Pink and White Productions, please go do that right now. She's crowdfunding her next movie, Chemistry Eases the Pain, which is a, quote, straight curious queer adventure. Her campaign ends on February 28th, which is like real soon, just in a couple days. And the perks you get for supporting this movie are pretty damn sweet. I'll have the link to her, the Indiegogo in our show notes for episode 78 at americansexpodcast.com. Lastly, if you haven't heard, Ken and I are instructors on the internet's largest online platform for BDSM education called Kink Academy. Our electric play series has been available for a few months on the platform and 
Our Hilarious Humiliation series was just released. Yeah, Hilarious Humiliation. It can be lots of fun and funny too. So head on over to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Kink Academy Humiliation to take our online humiliation course. And when you do that, you'll also get access to the entire library of over 2,000 educational videos by nearly 150 of the world's top kink instructors too. So that's kind of awesome. Again, that's bit.ly slash kink academy humiliation. And oh shit, censorship on the internet is at an all time high, especially when it comes to anything sex and sex related on social media. So one day you may go to our Twitter or Instagram and we might be gone. So if you want to make sure that you don't lose touch with us, go ahead and sign up for our newsletter. You can do that with your phone. Just text the word Megatron, M-E-G-A-T-R-O-N to the number 444-999 and you are in. Alternatively, you can do it on the web too. Just hit sunnymegatron.com slash newsletter to sign up. All right, now here is our awesome conversation with Zoe Ligon. I'm super excited. I don't know why it's taken us, what, a year and a half to have you on, um, but we've got Zoe Ligon on the line. And hi. Hello. Hi, Zoe. Yes, I don't think I've seen you in person since uh, Sex Down South two, three years ago. And, uh, yeah, you, I think I stayed for two of your sessions cause I was just like, yep, keep talking, keep talking to me. Uh, yay. <laughs> yay. You were yeah, hitting that on was, all the was, points. Yeah. That was, that was a fun conference. And I think, was that, no, I met you before. What was, we were at a couple conferences. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. a playground in Toronto. Yeah. I know it was somewhere. They all blend together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm doing less conferences this year, but it's nice to have, like, I like to take a year off and then go back to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are, we are too, actually. The o- in fact, the only thing this year that we're doing is we have a great opportunity to do uh, South by Southwest. Whoa. And so yeah. we're going to be doing there at the main podcast stage at five o'clock on Saturday, March 9th, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm super happy to have you on the show because originally, as you know, I'm from Michigan. And I started yeah. off my career in sexual education in Detroit at Noir oh, Leather, wow. like years and years and years ago. Oh, my ago. God. I didn't know that you worked at Noir Leather. I certainly did. I freaking love that place. It's got, like, such a specific vibe. And if I want to, like, go and just find any type of fetish apparel, it's, like, 10 minutes from my house. It was the two coolest jobs I've ever had because I worked on the floor there for quite a few years. But I started off as the Noir Leather Psychic in the front window at Halloween because I, for years, was a professional psychic and I had moved to Detroit to work at Fuchs and uh, then like I had switched to a private practice and then years later I ended up moving to Chicago to work with Irene Hughes, who was a famous psychic from Chicago. And I just kept going up and up and up in the psychic world. But I did tarot readings in the front window of Noir Leather. And I'm like, wow, this is so cool because, like, I loved S&M stuff. Right. And we just had some great, great opportunities there. Um, It was totally awesome, like, uh, getting with the Detroit scene, which is in a lot of ways better than other major cities that I've been with. Like, I love the Detroit S&M scene. Ah, you know, it's funny because I... Haven't gotten super involved in the scene here. I feel like I just know everybody so well. And I like to use like New York as my my playground for outside things because I just like have so quickly slept my way through the entire city of Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) Kudos to you, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then it comes and bites you in the tushy when you... uh, 
you know. And not in a good way. No. Even, yeah, it's like regardless of what you do, like you will just run into the exact person you're trying to not run into. Uh, small world. But <laughs> that's so amazing. So like, <laughs> yes, like I know you're not Midwesterners anymore, but that's definitely a connection point because – you know, most people in our scene are coastal people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And shout out to Keith from Noir Leather, by the way. Hi, Keith. <laughs> Yay. Hi, Keith. All right. So anybody who has an Instagram, if they don't know who the hell you are, Zoe, <laughs> they live under a rock because you are you are like everywhere on okay, social if, media. If they don't know who she is, they don't have the internet. I'm sorry. That's true. Or, That's I don't true. know. Maybe I think that if you aren't a millennial, that you have a valid excuse. And I yeah. mean... I don't expect my style of sex education to appeal to everybody. I think I can be a little bit polarizing, and that's kind of the the part of what comes with being an intense person, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty intense, and I say that in not a negative – just in a neutral way, but I've just – and the more I just, like, learn and learn about myself and the positive and negative habits I've picked up like from childhood, just as far as like anger reactions and the way I speak passionately about things. I was total aside. My boyfriend was uh, kind of met like the extended side of my family for the first time. And he was just like every single Ligon family member is yeah. like very passionate when they speak. Like everybody like gesticulates dramatically. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, so it's it's genetic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. So, okay, when you say you can be polarizing, why are you polarizing? Um, why do you think, think you're polarizing? I think more and more these days, it's just like I'm trying to get rid of a filter. And that's not to say that I'm not trying to consider people's feelings when I speak, but I guess I'm trying to perform less. And yeah. when you aren't performing, I mean, you can never really please all the people all the time, but just trying to resonate with some people some of the time or all people some of the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can get into that middle place and I feel as though I could deliver the things I say in in a much more like cushy, lovey way and it just wouldn't be authentic to the the points I'm trying to get across. Um not to say that I I like having like shock factor, but I'm happy to be controversial if it sparks a conversation. Right, right. I have very much been enjoying watching you on social media, especially as of late. And I guess watching, I don't know if it's, I don't know if you call it your evolution or peeling back your onion layers or whatever yeah, fucking yeah. metaphor you want to use. I'm an onion, use. Yeah, sure. You're totally an onion. Um, but like, you have been concentrating a lot on, you know, your personal journey, authenticity, how you're shedding that performative vibe, which I am totally like, yes, yes, because I'm always trying to get rid of like, what am I doing because it's me? Mm -hmm. And what am I doing because of what people expect of me and because of how society's conditioned me to be and all of that stuff. And I've, I've seen you also dealing with your, um, you know, past trauma and how it's coming up in your adult life. And you're just like clean and how and getting to know yourself and you're doing it in such a public way that for me who supposedly I'm one of the you know self-aware ones on the self-aware spectrum it's helping the shit out of me just watching you so first of all thank you <laughs> yeah well I mean I think that's the the joy of it all is like we're all continuing on, forward on this journey together 
it just really never ends. And I'm so happy that me, it's scary. Like being honest is really freaky because regardless of whether it's my truth or not, just like the brutal honesty that the internet can give you is quite jarring and definitely can affect my mental health. So knowing that there is, there are other people who are on the same page as me. I'm not like just the only person feeling this way. It's really encouraging. Yeah, you, you definitely are. So incur- all your encouragement, here it is. Take it, take it, take it. And I, okay. So first of all, if people, like I said, if people don't know who you are, they live under a rock, go on the internet, just go on the internet. <laughs> um, you will find her. You, you will. Uh, and I want to dive in though, because before we hit the record button, you were like, Oh, I got some shit on my mind. Yeah, and yeah, I'm, like, I'm riled. Okay. That's so what I, I want to go straight there. Like, like listeners, if you want to learn more about Zoe, there's Google. Like, we're going to oh get God. straight to the meat. So <laughs> what's the meat? What's going on? The meat is that I, it's funny. I, literally last night, I was like, I got home from a very taxing, trying day. And I was just like, I think I snapped. I think I snapped and I'm on the other side. And I snapped and I'm angry, but it's good. And uh, it's good anger. I feel like something, I, I discovered something. It was kind of like this moment of a bunch of compounding things. I feel like I'm really, like, I'm a very non-angry person in that I respond first and foremost with tears and sadness and not mm-hmm. yelling. <laughs> So when I get to that point, it's it's like so many things have to be weighing on me. And in this case, it was kind of a compounding factor of kind of just waking up to my overperformance for the sake of pleasing men. But it just goes so much deeper than that. I I know and, you know, work with so many men and there's so many good ones in my life, but even the good ones can have a tendency to uh, I, I, I guess I just want to backpedal by saying it's like in the midst of, of processing childhood trauma, which affects people of all genders, of course, I, I, f- I find that I've just been confronted with so many men who are like trying to bring excuses of like, oh, I'm, you know, having this happen and I'm having this happen and kind of like coming to me with an excuse and and trying to have me fix the problem for them when they're fully capable of doing it themselves. I mean, I'm being so vague here because these are deeply personal dynamics with people in my life. I guess I just feel like I've been walked all over by people who were the tables turned and I was a man and they were a woman. It would have just never gone down like that. Kind of just people taking advantage of my leniency, of my empathy, of my sensitivity. I feel like I'm one of those people who are like hyper empathetic and Octavia Butler's book, um, Parable of the Talents, Parable of the Sower, Mm -hmm. um, is is like a sci-fi novel about, among other things, somebody who can't look at somebody else feeling pain without literally feeling the physical sensation in their body. And while I don't think that that's exactly me, nor like a realistic thing, it it Mm -hmm. feels pretty damn close to what I'm feeling right now. Um, I guess I'm just frustrated by people who live so much in their privilege that they do not even attempt to think about what life is like for other people. And, you know, I've got a lot of privilege, you know, intersectionality, there are so many different factors. But I suppose I I am just so frustrated 
of saying sorry and being empathetic and really going out on a limb for people in my life. And then I, I feel as though men specifically have just been demanding a lot of my emotional energy um, and, and people who know full well what I'm going through. So it, it's just, it's frustrating to me when somebody is kind of presenting an immediate demand to me and um, pitying themselves for something. And even if their, their feelings are valid, I'm just like, look, like my trauma is a slow burn. I'm not going to come to you on a daily basis and say, this is what's wrong with me. This is what's wrong with me. It's like, I'm never going to get my childhood back. And I just swallow that daily. And you have the audacity to come to me and act as though I owe you something uh, when you're having a, a small hurt that I didn't cause. Right, right. I mean, it's, so, I don't know. How do yeah. you talk about that? I don't fucking know. It's, it's a, it's a big damn thing. I don't have the, an- like, I feel Ugh. it. I feel this. I feel, yeah. do I have the answer? No. Like, I have moments where I'm like, and I, I have the realization, and I'm like, everything, bah! and then, 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 you know, the next day comes and it's Tuesday and I go back to being like, I'm sorry, can I help you with this? Yeah. You know? <laughs> As as one of the trash people, I am. All men are trash, and not all of us have realized it. And I think that's as simply as I can put that. I mean, I think any human can be trash. I've certainly. Oh been. no, no, men, men specifically. <laughs> we're, we're all trash. I don't know. Me. So many of you pr- prove me wrong. I mean, or, or prove that wrong. I I do think that there is. Well, it, and that just goes to the larger issue of how like patriarchy harms men also, and some of them are aware of it, and some are not, and. Uh, I also watch how the more sensitive men in my life get walked all over by the more um, machismo men. And that Mm -hmm. really breaks my heart as well because it's that dynamic that is making everybody feel scared from speaking up and going against the grain. Uh, Yeah. And it's, you know, it's exactly why we have such narrow narrow definitions of gender because patriarchy has made it into two extremes that you must conform to. And then when just about all of us don't fit into those boxes, it causes us a lot of causes us to act out or, you know, and some of us don't act out. Some of us use that to like turn inwards and and find ourselves. Yeah. But I think that when it comes to cis men specifically, it's like, yeah, there's this anger reaction because you are put into such a narrow box and like, ugh, you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I know. And then and then we play fetish play. And that's why a lot of the men I play, and this is my theory, why a lot of the men I play with play with like gender mm-hmm. and power dynamics. And you know what I mean? I, I really feel that it's therapeutic for a lot of men who are stuck in that position like fucking the patriarchy's hurting me too like you know what? what do i do with this you're you know? making me literally think about how i was so angry yesterday and like my boyfriend was like uh how can i help you like let me know what you need and i'm just like i need to be punched in the face <laughs> like, i was like that's the kinkster in me right there i'm just like and and that is such like a whole realm of kink also is like when we are feeding into dynamics that were they outside of the context of kink would be like very questionable and potentially harmful and um and it goes beyond gender play but uh yeah 
Yeah, just yeah. Or, or the being a feminist who is a submissive who has a very high tolerance for pain. Um, do you do you, have you wrestled with that? I mean, it seems like you're probably in an okay, goodish place with it now. But like, as you were getting into your kink and getting to know yourself, were you like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Did I, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I guess I never thought that there was something wrong with me, but there were, it is the thing that people do kind of like cite when they're just like, you're being crazy. There's something wrong with you. Like you think that men are abusing you, but in reality you are asking for it. Like that kind of gaslighting that people uh. like to throw at you. Uh, but no, there's there's a time that I like I really did genuinely love getting hit in the face during sex, <laughs> and which like you know there are so many bones in the face that that is generally a risky thing to do. I was just gonna ask because I love giving shiners. Like yeah. it's very controversial. It's very controversial because people like. They'll, they'll look at uh, my statuses on FetLife and they'll see that I gave my girlfriend a black eye. Do you remember when I did that about a year ago? Somebody oh, I gave God, Lily a black yeah. eye. People and there was a lot of people that were upset. Shit. But she was asking. Yeah. Uh, well, she, was she was asking for, for it. No, literally, she was asking. <laughs> literally, she, she was requesting it. <laughs> yeah. She was requesting like- <laughs> it. I can't say she was asking for it. Did you see what she was wearing? <laughs> yes, yes. And then everybody just wants to jump in with their own interpretation of, you know, like psychoanalysis analyzing you when in reality it's like i think and obviously there are so many people causing harm and genuine predators even in kink communities i mean Mm -hmm. that is for sure but especially in kink communities but then it's yeah yeah it just calls everything about you into question even if you have a really deep understanding of what you do and don't want i had here's a interesting one situation um i was in an abusive relationship and in order to get out of the uh, uh, abusive relationship, emotionally abusive relationship, mm-hmm. I dove into another relationship with somebody who was kind of, wasn't abusive to me, but I later found out was an abuser. Mm. We had a interaction where I was like, hit me in the face, you know, Cons- consensual hit in the face. Nice. And because of the way my, I think that it happened too forcefully and before I was prepared and I chipped my tooth (laughs) and I was just kind of like stop everything like this is I was like I think I gotta leave or something and then he burst into tears and was so freaked out that he had done that to me and I had this moment of like wait a minute like am I angry at you am I not angry at you like what the fuck is going on right now um and it's very interesting because I, I I looked at that in one light before learning that he had harmed so many people. He was a tattoo artist. He mm-hmm. used his position of power as like a respected artist to specifically take advantage of clients, which is why I did not Ooh. have that experience with him. Right. Um, but, you know, after hearing what people had to say, I had no doubt in my mind, like, yep, sounds like this person. And and how that changed my interpretation of what happened in that scenario, because while I don't think he intended to hurt me, I think that it was a perfect example of kind of like 
the general when you do have so much privilege you are generally just not aware you just aren't aware of your body and how it moves through space and how it does affect other people and regardless of whether this person meant to chip my tooth or not doesn't really matter it's just kind of like a like a reflection moment of like who can say here i am trying to psychoanalyze him right you know Mm -hmm. it's it's just like the the things we we process have so much to do with context and there is such a gray area it's and so that's what messy. we're all struggling with right yeah. now it's it's so bonkers to me how pervasive and universal this is feeling to me as well and i know that you know confirmation bias or whatever <laughs> <laughs> but i really do feel like i have so many specifically women in my life, um, basically everybody who isn't a man in my life is just kind of like, I'm going through something like there's some fucked up free energy. Yeah. Some chaos. It's some collective like shit. We're all muddling through. Yeah. And I want to attribute it to larger things, but I, I don't know how much of it. I think it does come down harder on people who are more sensitive and people who have experienced more trauma in their lifetimes. Um, mm-hmm. It's like uh, how much of it is the political climate versus what would have been an, an inevitable shift in society, regardless of what happened. That's God, that's just like an infinite guessing game. I'll never yeah. forget that your closing plenariat sex down south was right before the election and that was when oh we were still like we're like it's not gonna go out and vote like yeah, you know just, like like let's let's like rally like we don't want this guy in office yeah oh, yeah so like for, for, yeah for those listening along i did the keynote the ending <laughs> keynote for uh sex down south and it was the politics of pleasure and it was basically how the political is personal da, 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 and it was right before the election so a lot of it was like fuck trump uh, and but the sentiment even myself i was kind of like it's not really gonna happen. It's yeah, I was like, we're not yeah, gonna we're fine. I mean, we're and probably that was like, okay. <laughs> as, as a white person, you know, like a huge blind spot for me because clearly things have reared their head since then. And, you know, even though I don't ever think that the that that the experiencing the world as a black person is anywhere comparable to other forms of of racial oppression but like as a jewish person i it was the first time i ever had like people with guns in their profile pictures being like i'm gonna kill you you jew like (laughs) like it was the fucking first time that had ever happened to me in my 26 years of existence and you know again it's like (laughs) That is like my one small observation on a personal level that just felt like such a massive shift. And, you know, and it was even more massive for other people. I mean, just the the amount of police violence and gun violence in general. um, I'm, again, like the empath in me is so intensely absorbing what is going on that it really, it really overwhelms me. And I feel moved by the traumas other people are experiencing on an entirely mm-hmm. new level. And I'm like thankful for that awareness and perception, but like, it's a, it's a lot. And I feel like I, as a single person, am not able 
I'm definitely not able to fix the things. And so I'm just yeah. like constantly revisiting like like what is the small step I can do today from moment to moment, day to day. Um, it's just a yeah. constant re-education. But it's yeah. like I feel like I'm on both sides of it. I'm the oppressed and I am also the oppressor. So, Do, do you have any time when you use your trauma to make sexy time fuck fuck? <laughs> yes, definitely <laughs> more so. I'm in a long-term relationship for the, the kind of the first time I was like, oh, this is the first time I've spent two Valentine's days with the same person. Wow. Um, but it was definitely more so rearing. I feel like right now I'm in such recalibration mode that I will be kind of revisiting my kink in the future. And it's been a little bit tabled. I feel a little bit apprehensive about diving into what I, I still very much have an appetite for. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I also just like having such intense, uh, just having been sexualized by the most prominent man in my life, my father, it's just like sex is such a convenient way as a survivor to completely distract from that. Like I'll just like, I was, I was straight edge in high school. I did not drink or do drugs. And my way of acting out was like having a lot of reckless sex and like lying about who I was seeing. And if I was sleeping with a bunch of dudes, like, well then that doesn't make me think about how my dad's sexualizing me. Does it, you know, like mm -hmm. if I can have other older men sexualizing me, that dilutes it down so much. Um, so I guess because I have used sex as a negative coping mechanism, it's been hard to reintegrate. I feel like I'm really learning how to have kind of like sweet, loving vanilla sex with myself and with my partner right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still want those things. It's definitely really good fodder. It dances on that line of being triggering and being healing. And I think that my, the bulk of my exploration is really in the realm of masturbation for me right now. Cause I feel like I've had so much kinky sex uh, in my lifetime, but like not as much self love sex with myself. Mm. So that has kind of become, it's like I feel like I'm like going through puberty and adolescence again in that sense. Like you kind of did it backwards. I feel of. like I did it backwards. I was having partnered sex before I masturbated, and anybody who would ever come to me for advice, I would say. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can do whatever you want, but you'll get more valuable intel by masturbating first. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah. it's yeah, it's learning backwards. So I've I've noticed in in your work, I've been seeing you a lot concentrating on like working through childhood trauma and childhood sexual assault. And, yeah. you know, just from my personal viewpoint, you know, like what you've been saying is happening societally, like, we're all going through some shit like with me too. And, you know, time's up and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But that's one area I don't think we've, you know, we talked about, you know, the night we had a date rape in college. And we talk about like the one off incidents. We talk about things that happen to us as adults. And we're still not hearing people on a larger scale talking about 
What happened to us when we were kids? What happened to us that wasn't a one-off, that was kind of a continual, habitual thing? Yeah. So tell me about you, you know, your journey, like looking into those things. So well said. I think that everyone wants you to be able to point to a specific event that caused you to be who you are. But I'm just like, no, I think the event for me was remembering how as a little girl, I was just like, I'll be 18 one day. <laughs> mm. Or like, you know, it's kind of like, you just gotta make it through to independence. And how the second I had that independence, I just went wild. And how to this day, it's like, I have to remind myself, like, I've not even been living on my own for a decade. I have spent the last eight years living independently. And that's a long time. But like, sometimes I still forget, like, no, like, my dad isn't going to come back from the dead to haunt me. And even though I have pictures of him and objects that belong to him, I'm staring at a gigantic, like, 50 year old plant in my room that once belonged to my dad. And like, how can I, like, not completely purge the memory of him while, um, just like honoring the fact that there's still like a hurt little girl inside of me who's like really trying to flex her big girl adult muscles still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And, and I don't know, like, I don't want to pry too much or, you know, pry have away. you divulge pry. details, but, and I don't know if you've talked publicly about, you know, I know that you've said your dad sexualized you as a child, but yeah. do you give specifics or would you? Yeah, or, I would, I would yeah. actually love to, cause I think it is such a, a subtle version of abuse. Um, mm -hmm. My dad was an alcoholic. He was bipolar and he had anger problems and it was all emotional. He never hit me. And to my memory, again, like I've got memory fuzziness. It was never anything um, blatant, overt, overtly sexual. So this is referred to as covert sexual assault. Right. Um, it was kind of like, because of what was going on in my family, uh, I was kind of like made an emotional surrogate spouse in, in a sense. Okay. Like, it was like too much love. Um, and, and it was even, even when he was still alive, I remember asking him like, did you molest me? <laughs> like I said that point blank to him. Uh, and he like burst into tears and was like, Oh my God, like absolutely not. And, and, you know, in, in ther talking through that in therapy, my, my therapist is like, yeah, like, that's actually oddly, like, not the way that an abuser would respond. But that doesn't mean that there isn't something you feel icky about. And, and kind of like this learning process for me is acknowledging, like, you feel icky about this, and you don't have to pinpoint exactly what happened. But like, clearly something is going on. In me, I have all the signs of PTSD and childhood trauma. Not all, you know, not all of them, but I have some telltale, telltale signs that can help mm -hmm. indicate to me that there's something deeper at play here. But it's 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 difficult too because I loved my dad. He was a very involved parent, and I think that the issue for me was that he was just too involved, and I I, I do feel as though I was almost playing um an understudy for a romantic partner as a child mm, um, okay. and that's and again it's like i don't know if something physical happened or if 
some, it's like, my family was also just so intimate. We were just such like a loving, like my family was very like new age progressive. Um, I was, you know, I was born in 92. So late eighties, new age culture had an influence. Um, but yeah, it's like, I know that my mom also like without going into the entire backstory of my childhood, it's like my mom was my full ally and took really good care of me. And I have a very amazing relationship with her to this day. And she's been so, I've been really so touched by how I can come to her with something that I think is going to like send her spiraling into panic, be like asking her questions. And she just responds so calmly and lovingly and understandingly that I feel so fortunate to, have somebody to talk to about it because, you know, it's, it, it isn't anybody's fault. Like it, it's my dad's fault that he didn't do better, but mm-hmm. I, I love the person I am today. And I think I got some good things from him as well. And he died, he died two years ago, which is the only re- or no, he didn't die two years ago. He died four years ago. It was only two years ago. I was able to stop romanticizing his death and be like, wait, something really fucked up happened. Ah. so I think it's part of the grieving process too to like kind of let all this stuff go and you know I lost my dad when I was 22 and that's relatively young and I think that a lot of people lose a parent later in life which that causes them to experience this kind of reckoning and I guess part of me is grateful that I'm at least aware of this stuff and I'm really working with that middle ground of loving somebody even though they hurt you um and it's and it's different than a partner who abuses you or somebody else out in the world it's just inherently different when it is apparent and i do think intention has a lot to do with it i don't think that he set out to traumatize me i think that he was also a traumatized child who just was not able to do any better than he did Mm-hmm. But then if I was saying that to my therapist, she'd be like, stop minimizing it. Stop making excuses. <laughs> <laughs> you become your own therapist. Yeah. But, you know, I think this is really helpful because, you know, as we said in kind of in the beginning of this leg of the conversation, that unless it's extreme, people don't think whatever their thing is, yeah. is a real problem, yeah. you know? And I think it's it's really important for you to talk about this. And is it, correct me if I'm wrong, the term is, is it emotional incest? Yes, that's also yeah. a synonym for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So where it's like there isn't physical going on, but they're relying on you so much and in such an emotional capacity where it's not really your place and it really is more the place of a spouse or or somebody, yeah. you know, with it that sort of relationship. So many people. And and honestly, the more I – and I had this big epiphany about that specifically two years ago. And when I started talking about it, my friends of all genders were like, I had a relationship like that with my mom or dad oh, or whatever. Oh, I had a relationship like that with my mom. Totally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, the, the book I read that really shed a lot of light is – called Silently Seduced by Kenneth Adams, I believe his mm-hmm. name is. And he coincidentally is f- from Royal Oak. Um, I'm like, I'm like wanting Michigan. to go find him and talk to him, but also like terrified of that. Um, <laughs> but he also wrote a book called When He's Married to Mom that is specifically about sons and mothers. Um, oh. For anybody who feels that this conversation is resonating with them. 
I highly recommend those books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need to look. Th- I know I've written them down. And I think they're on my wish list. But have I, <laughs> I bought them like. yet? Yeah. No, I have not. So I need to. Hey, psst, did you know American Sex Podcast has a Patreon page? Becoming a Patreon member is a great way to show your support for this podcast. It works kind of like, I don't know, funding for national public radio or how PBS works. If you appreciate our work and the fact that we provide it to the world free of charge, then you can help support it. And as a member of our Patreon family, you'll be eligible for nifty, cool rewards like bonus episodes, surprises in the mail, and more. Oh, and you'll get all of our episodes early, bonus stories from guests, and access to our private Patreon feed. So you thinking about it? You want to know more? Check out all the details at patreon.com slash American Sex. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash American sex. So when you first realized like this was an issue when you were going through the process of of mourning his death, and I, from what I've read, like was his death a a surprise is a bad word, but you know what I mean? Unexpected. Mm -hmm. Was it? Okay. So at that point, did you realize like, I got some reckoning I need to do or, you know, when did that happen? Yeah. How did that happen? It did. It took a full two years. And like, I think the weirdest part is how, um, I've kind of forgot about all the bad times for those first two years. I was, I was like, the hysterical groveling person at the funeral and kind of like made like an internal shrine to him even in my house like it was just like pictures of him everywhere hi doggy that's not my dog but i hear oh, a no, doggy this is rocket hi rocket and it was weird too because it's like i was you know i i was living in detroit and had like completely new friends nobody like knew my dad and like you know (laughs) I was like trying to explain my relationship with this person to people who like were just getting to know me and take care of me and uh it felt like I only had good things to say because like he was an amazing man like he was a charismatic hilarious like very much a leader who like changed a lot of people's lives in a positive way. Um, And I think I absorbed so much of that goodness. Yeah. So it really, it took being in a emotionally abusive relationship where I was being treated the same way my dad treated me kind of like doing everything in your power to make a person feel afraid without leaving, laying a finger on them. Mm -hmm. And then immediately just being like i'm so sorry i did that to you i i will never do it again like i love you so much blah 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 that continuous spiral and circle and how good it feels to be in that quote unquote green zone that safe zone when you're with an abusive person and how addictive that feeling is to Mm -hmm. fawn to your abuser to get closer and closer to them in order to feel safe right right so I, I just like I had a, a full circle moment in my head right now, awesome. because when, when we started talking 
you know, the first conversation way back, what, 40 minutes ago, um, <laughs> we were talking about your recent epiphany and how, you know, men are hurt by the patriarchy, but men hurt because of the patriarchy at the yeah. same time. And, mm -hmm. you know, why can't you see and why can't you realize? And, and I was kind of thinking this when we were in that leg of the conversation. Now I'm really thinking this mm -hmm. reflected in what you were saying about your dad, how in one respect, he was an awesome guy, like he yeah. was loving and, and, you know, smart and charismatic. And but he also had this other side to him. Mm -hmm. So so when you say, and I'm in you, it could be me, it could be anybody, because I say this shit too. Yeah. Um, so when we say, you know, why can't you see the the hurt that you're causing or the the quote bad part of you? If you're that person, how do you see it? If there's such good parts of you too, I think that's my that's where I am. Like, yeah. how do we get if you're an oppressor in mm -hmm. any situation? You know, whether you're a man, you're a white person, you're whatever. You know, you're on the top of the socioeconomic ladder, or whatever, and you can't see your privilege. And there is a lot of good parts of you, and you yeah. see your good parts, and you're like, "But I'm so good." Mm -hmm. And maybe there's just a little tiny drop in the bucket that's like horrific. Uh, right. How do, how do you see it? Like, what do we do with that? I don't know oh. if you like be the therapist, yeah. solve life's problems oh, no, right now. Totally. Go. This is you're hitting the nail on the head. Like our brains are like floating in the same fluids right now. Like. I don't even know what that means. I just said it. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and I think that this is like the larger concept and when we're talking about consent and doing harm to people, whether it's intentional or not, it's kind of just like the recognition that we're all capable of causing harm and it's our intention, but it's also our reaction afterwards that really, sh I think, makes us, um, you know, abusers or not. Uh yeah. Are we all abusers in one way, shape or form, even if it's a <laughs> well, little no, bit? No, because I think that if somebody comes to you and say like, listen, you really hurt me and you are present for it and you're like, let, like, like if, if, if you're engaged and you give a shit about doing better, that's completely different from being like, you are a full on lying and you probably did this to yourself. It's completely different ways of reacting to the same the same situation. Um, yeah. I feel like uh, I was item Mandule uh, did a really amazing session. I attended on consent that was really extrapolating upon this and it inspired me greatly. I think that, yeah, like no human being is good or bad. I think that that's also like why as a culture, we're so obsessed with the concept of a sociopath or a psychopath because mm -hmm. we're like, well, these are the people we can point to that are definitely bad. <laughs> Even though I think that if there's just, there's more to it than that. I think that uh, so much of us hurt because of our own traumas and so much of us hurt because we aren't emotionally equipped to feel for other people in a way that prevents us from doing harm. It's just like each of us are this big conglomeration of fucked up variables. And I guess it's like, I even, <laughs> I feel like my ultimate goal is, and I'm going to sound like a pageant queen, but like world peace, like <laughs> world peace is my fucking goal here. And I'm not going to get world peace by, 
solely demonizing somebody who causes harm. I have empathy for people who do heinous things even. Not that I think it's an excuse, but it's like I feel for their situation as well. I think that we're so quick to dehumanize both survivors and abusers. Um, It's just this knee-jerk reaction because I, I think so much of it is so horrific and it's so much more comfortable to just not discuss those things and let them play on in the background than to really directly address them head on. Nobody wants to do stuff that makes them uncomfortable. And that's why we haven't talked about this stuff so much as a society and we're, we're barely making it there, but it's like, like when are we going to talk about childhood sexual abuse? People Mm -hmm. don't want to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, every people. So yeah. I have a question for you that kind yeah. of dovetails off that, and I'm totally throwing you under the bus here. Do it. Um, <laughs> Roll it should over we her demonize face. pedophiles? Oh, you know, I really love talking about that because it's another conversation that is so difficult for people to wrap their mind about, just because like it understandably brings up so many emotions. Um, I think that the issue to zoom out is more with the way we deal with punishment and rehabilitation of, of people. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of that, it's the way we perpetuate the fetishization of youth as a culture. Mm. I think that we set people up to be attracted to minors. And then on top of that, um, like I think just as a society, we reinforce that. And then we make it so that a pedophile can't even seek help from a therapist without being incarcerated, even if they have not actually acted upon those impulses. Mm-hmm. And I think that for – so, like, are pedophiles good or bad? I think it depends on the person because there are so many people who have an attraction to children and are terrified of that part of themselves – and go to great lengths to make sure they are never harming anybody. And that's completely different from somebody who is actively harming a minor. Um, yeah, and I noticed that there's a recent trend lately, from, especially from Chinese companies, that are making love dolls oh, in yeah. the, the shape and size of children. And it really makes me angry, but I can't identify exactly why mm-hmm. um i mean obviously like it's there there's nothing inherently wrong because it's an object yes. um but it still just infuriates me beyond the point of rational thought what, yes. what do you think about that i i share your feelings and that it makes me feel deeply uncomfortable but i think that it's like in a different social context, it would be a completely different thing, I think, because we aren't addressing pedophilia and how genuinely widespread it is. Like, this isn't, like, a a rarity. It's, like, you know, people living in your neighborhood, potentially. You know, it, right. and... Uh, Not potentially, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah for like, sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sometimes, you know, friends and uncles and grandfathers exactly. and dads. It's usually like, somebody you know. And, yeah, I, uh, like, there's so many documentaries for everything from R. Kelly to just, you know, I mean, Woody Allen's still out there. And we have chosen to give these men a free pass 
until now, question mark? I mean, barely. Uh, Woody Allen's fucking – it's funny. Like, I I post, like, I hate Woody Allen shit and everybody's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? It's like, meanwhile, you married your adopted daughter and made movies about being with really young women. So, like, <laughs> what, what exactly is your defense for? Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. I might be in the minority here, but Woody Allen fucking sucks yeah, as a movie maker. Fuck, I yeah. hate his fucking movies. They're so fuck romanticized and like, like outside of the creepy aspects. It's just to me, like, it's just male masturbation on camera. Um, metaphorically speaking, it's well, like, as as a as a ma- you know somebody that's a male identifying Jew, like he <laughs> kind of emasculates us and makes it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But oh, fuck, but fuck then, yourself, but then Woody the Allen. Non-Jews also like fetishize him. They're just like, oh my god, it's so romantic. It's like such this like portrait of like you know intellectual life. You know, like it's it's fetishized. I know a few men who are like not even Jewish and just like really obsessed with Woody Allen and like kind of like absorbing that like quirkiness or whatever it's like you need to find a new hero i'm sorry yeah the jew bear <laughs> from inglorious bastards that's your jew like male hero right there uh but i mean I, to get back to the doll stuff it's very interesting because the asect conference uh last year and the year before were really heavy heavily focusing on the subject and i learned i i find that i have had more understanding i mean this goes without saying i've had more understanding of the situation as i've chosen to educate myself so i think the reason that um we're not able to get anywhere with this is because it's everybody just immediately jumps to like lock them up you know and i think you know some people need to be removed from society for sure i think violent criminals should not be out and about uh but again it's like we're not making therapy available. Therapists are not trained in how to interact with clients who are attracted to minors. And um, the countries, to my knowledge, doing the most research on ways of rehabilitating and preventing the offenders is through research surrounding cartoons and animations and dolls. So mm-hmm. it's actually like really current research um i wonder if it has been published by now um but kind of there's specifically a facility in germany that has like devoted its resources to researching this um and it's like i don't know we we don't currently have the answer as to whether something like a doll will prevent people from offending or if it's perpetuating the fetishization of youth we just don't know Right. Um, and I'm sure that it would be different for different people. Yeah. Um, and uh, we don't even yeah. want to talk about it in this country. I remember um, Dr. Jana used to do Periscope live broadcasts like a few years ago. And she had on someone who, like anonymously, like they, you know, made the voice like rah, 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 and <laughs> didn't show the face. And it was someone who was a pedophile that had never actually offended, never actually yeah. touched anybody, but had these compulsions, is, was trying to like, you know, I don't want this. I want to talk to a therapist, but I can't talk to a therapist because therapists are required to report me, even if I say I've had these thoughts, but I've never acted on them. Yeah. And and she talked to this person to figure out like, okay, what what are you thinking? What is in your brain? You know, what are the issues? How can we help people like you not offend? And people lost their shit. 
Oh yeah, they're like, like I'm sure how people are gonna have could strong you? reactions to this very kind of like objective take on it, even. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's it's weird because it's like the, you know there was shows like To Catch a Predator and that was like you know considered entrapment I mean, uh, yet you know like there was clearly really terrible people on that show um, yeah. but it's also like that played with such a it it played with this kind of like like America really loves to like build people up but also like tear people down like people america loves like watching the downfall of respected people and i feel like that was so much of what that show about was about is kind of i mean and again you know like much of the time you know totally justified but like it was such this gray area in with the advent of like fast internet and chat and like being able to send pictures and videos to people and people did not know what to fucking do with that, I think. And it's just kind of, it it feels like it's this like media exploitation without any desire to actually fix the problem. It's just like Mm -hmm. repeated incarceration and, and fear. And it's like, you're just pushing it all further underground. The more afraid you make people of seeking when people can't seek help. Yeah, it, it it also, you know, it very much demonized these people like those are the monsters of society. Those are the and it's like, what we really need to do is realize like, those pedophiles aren't the monsters of society. They're your neighbor next door that you barbecued with last Sunday. Yeah, That's it's like, it the, might be your brother. Like, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Like and it's you like you currently respect. Right. And the more we keep going, those are the other people, the people not like me, the people not like people I know, the more it's going to happen under our noses and we're going to refuse to even believe it or see it. Yeah. The, you know, the number one way to do anything to silence this and to stop it is to begin talking about it. And as a cis hetero man, I'm hardwired to think that like anything other than death is complicit, is making me complicit in some sort of rehabilitation you know it's just uh we we need to talk about it in order to solve it and i just don't see that happening very much yeah Yeah. because if i honestly didn't learn the things i learned about them i'd probably be like fuck all pedophile you know like like i without the understanding chop their dicks off hang them in the town square (laughs) yeah yeah it's a (laughs) description of an attraction and perpetuated by society and it's uh, like a full change of thought. Like, why is it okay for a 50, 40, 50 year old to marry somebody who's, you know, technically of age, like, like they're 18 or like 16 with a parent's permission. And then like you dial it back to 12 and it, it's a completely different story. I guess it's just like people want to have their cake and eat it too it's like yeah i want my hot young trophy wife and pedophiles are terrible like and you don't see how those two things are intimately related yeah yeah oh i don't know if i feel better about the world or worse <laughs> about the world <laughs> at least i don't two other. do i have hope like we figuring out we're figuring out our shit or am i like we figured out our shit but we figured out that most people will never figure out their shit and we're just fucked i don't know yeah like in a in a non-suicidal way i i struggle with existence and lately it's just kind of been like what is one small thing i can look forward to and lately that's been having time to be present in my mind and body in a non-stressful way cuz i feel like those moments are so few and far between 
And like, I've been really getting into like going into a dark room at night and like putting on a YouTube video of like restorative yoga poses. And then just like, <laughs> and I'm like, that is fucking like the world will be fine as long as I can fucking <laughs> yeah. attempt to meditate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, feel, like I feel you. We got to like, it, but it sucks. It's like we all have to like rely on ourselves and our our intuition and like we have to be more resilient than ever. I, I mean, like I was literally in the car driving yesterday and NPR was like, are we raising a generation of girls who are afraid of being afraid and anxious of being anxious? Like, oh, I like, heard that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I heard it on and then, NPR. And then that made me really anxious. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was literally just like, uh, uh, I don't want to fucking hear this. <laughs> Why would you talk to me about that while I'm just trying to drive and get a coffee? Leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, it makes me uncomfortable, too. And, like, I feel like the internet presence and all this shit, it's just about, like, kind of bulldozing over that, even when it's uncomfortable and just being, like, you know... Today I'm going to talk about racism and a bunch of people are going to jump down my throats with bullshit. Or today I'm going to talk about sex work and everybody's going to jump down my throats with bullshit. Like, it's, yeah. it's just like saying the things that like not like just really speaking from your heart and doing the things you believe in and not letting not letting other people distract you from your truth because chances are that it's more than just your truth. Well, thank you for continuing to do that. Seriously. Like you do that every day on, well, mostly on Instagram. I watch you, but like, <laughs> you know, your sex stuff, uh, web series is fucking amazing. I had uh, so much fun doing it. Oh my God. It's so good. So the episode with Midori was my favorite and she's a favorite guest. We've had her on a couple of times. So, Ugh, you know, and, uh, listeners. and that was the scariest episode to record. Cause I, I cried in that episode and I was just like, I don't know if I can handle millions of people seeing me cry and whatever i fucking did it and yeah it resonated I've, I've watched that episode like four or five times every time i every time i'm like i already cried once not gonna cry again oh cry every God. time every fucking it time so surreal to hear you say that too because it's just like i'm just blown away by the impact it it can have i think it's just magical how we all share energy that way yeah yeah so for for American fuckers listening along, her like, what do you what sex stuff? What Midori? What crying <laughs> rope? What what? I will have a link to that in our show notes at americansexpodcast.com. And real quick, and I'm going to have all your links in, in the yeah. show notes as well. But to give people just a quick like, what's your Instagram? Where can they find you? What are some of the things you're doing? Yes, I am Thongria on Instagram and Twitter. So Thong. R-I-A. <laughs> and um, we didn't even talk about sex toys, which I love I know. because that's like all people want to talk about. I'm just like, can we talk about my feelings? Uh, <laughs> but sex toys, sex toys do play a big role in, in that, in my feelings. But uh, spectrumboutique.com is my online sex toy store. We are non-binary and really try to uh, not talk about wh who toys are for more so what they can potentially do for you. And uh, it's very education oriented. We curate quality, quality sex toys. So feel free to feel free to check that out. Um, what else am I doing? I started doing YouTube videos. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it, but I saw that. That's yeah. fun. I think it's, 
a longer form education for people who want to like literally listen to me talk for 20 minutes straight. Well, I guess you just did that for an hour. So <laughs> <laughs> your audience is right here. You yeah, already no. got them. <laughs> want to hear me talk in 20 minute in, in increments? Um, yeah. And then I'm just Zoe Ligon there. Cool. Yay. So well, I have one yeah. last question for you okay. here. What's Please. one thing you would like to accomplish before the age of 50? Ooh. You know, what's hilarious is I am speaking at a church next week and I had always been like, I will have made it. I will have arrived I when I'm saw that. speaking at a church. So I feel like that was like a goal I just accomplished. And but, it's in my hometown um, of Grand Rapids, Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, I guess. Oh, God. My goal. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mm. <laughs> I have no fucking answer. I'm like, I want to write a book. I want to write a television show. I want to write a movie. I want to I want to write things. Yeah, I want to like, create and write all to the create things. And write. That's a legit answer. Yeah. yeah, to just continue just to fucking create and write as much as humanly possible. And then also like by the time I'm 50, I really hope I have a better handle on all this anxiety shit. Well, Ugh. I'm 48, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like womp, realistic womp. goals, unrealistic goals. Okay, I can work with That's both. That's your stretch goal. Yeah, stretch, stretch goal, goal, no anxiety. Okay. <laughs> if you can fit it into your schedule, I would love to see you write a comic book. Ooh, I love I love graphic novels and comics, so that sounds awesome. Maybe I'll have to like hit up Erica Moen sometime. Nice, nice. Well, thank you. I enjoyed talking to you. And, you know, like you said, you are very much all about sex toys. So we'll have to have you on again and actually like <laughs> talk about shop. But I really like talking about like feelings and more obscure yeah, things. because It's a shit that's all on our minds that we don't talk about. So yeah, thank like, you. thank you for providing the space for that and engaging with that. I think that you pushed me and poked me in all the right ways to bring out some really important stuff. Oh, so- but did I punch you in the face? <laughs> no, but you want to like schedule that for later. Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. Can I? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm good at it. Double, double team. Okay, Next good, time. good solid medium style. Medium style. I, w- I won't break any bones. Amazing. Yeah. I'll wear my night guard this time. Sweet, sweet. All right. Thank you so much, Zoe. I Thank really you both. All righty. Bye. Take Bye. care. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week. 
on American Sex.